What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Senior Quotes Sports Podcast. Today, we are joined by the great Dr. Jen Welter. She was the first female NFL coach, as well as the first head coach in Madden. And she's a BC grad, so we're going to have a lot of fun today. Let's get into it. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Senior Code Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Big Picture Sports Group. I'm your host, Aiden Broderick, joined as always by Jack Coleman. And our guest today, as you heard, Dr. Jen Welter. Jen, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing we're great. Fantastic. As yeah, good as we can be. Yeah. Scary times right now, but you know. Yeah, the world's we're, weird. We're along. World's the weird world's right now. <laughs> That's what I tell people. I'm like, it's weird. There's no other Certainly way to put it. It is weird. And all we can do is do what we can to um, survive the weirdness and hopefully stay safe and sane. Yeah, that's really all you can do. Um, Like I said before, you were the first female NFL coach uh, with the Cardinals. And even more recently in Madden, you were the first NFL head coach for them. Uh, But there's so much more to you beyond that. And I was saying before the show in the pre-show and everything that I'm just so impressed and honestly motivated by everything I read today. So we're going to go through everything, but I think we should start out with Boston College. We go there currently. You're an alum. Um, usually we talk about rooms and, and where we lived uh, with our guests and where they lived throughout their time at BC, but we're definitely going to talk BC football a little too. So why don't we start off with a nice little icebreaker? Why don't you run through where you lived during your time at Boston College? Oh my gosh, I, I don't even think I could remember the names of, <laughs> of where it was. Um, I, I was thankfully not over on Newton campus, so I was on the main main campus. Let's go. Um, right next to the basketball court. Oh, okay. Uh, and I remember that because my freshman year, there was a blizzard on April Fool's Day. Now, I <laughs> thought I was the one being punks because it was the only time in four years at bc that they canceled classes because you know that's, wow. they, they just don't do right like so it was three feet of snow and i'm from florida okay like <laughs> i i did not realize that winter lasted so long oh but of God, course yeah. you know i played on the rugby team and you know there is a running joke that you know your drinking team has a rugby problem. Um, <laughs> and so we had a good time knowing that we weren't going to have classes the next day. And the whole basketball court was snowed over. And I'm like walking back to my dorm. And you know how it's like, it goes straight down? Yeah. Yep. Well, I went straight down. <laughs> and, no you know like when you you know you're just in that place and i was completely buried by snow and you know i'm a florida girl and this just you know every bad movie you've ever seen plays out in your head and i was like they're gonna find me here <laughs> on the basketball court when the snow thaws um so that was my freshman year i lived two years off campus on com Ave, or uh well first on jersey street um okay. Uh, my sophomore year, I lived on Jersey Street. We kind of had the rugby house. Um, and then I was on Comav. And then I was back on campus for my senior year. Very but cool. I don't remember the building name, sorry. 
So it wasn't so not a mod, a mod then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I did not actually want to be in the mods. Yeah. I know that's like, you know, you, you don't really say that, but I knew that for my own um, purposes, I would not be a good mod person because I may still be at BC if I was in the mods. <laughs> um, so no, um, I was not in the mods. No, that's cool though, and. Hey, even though you got stuck in the snow, at least you didn't have to take a bus back to Newton, you know? It, no, no, I did not. I was, I was glad to not be on Newton campus, but um, I definitely did take that walk, walk the plank right off the basketball court and <laughs> lay there for a second and wonder if I was going to be a um, Boston College popsicle. <laughs> That's funny. So for us, we both, we've been roommates this entire time so far, so... We started out in Gonzaga, the one right next to the stairs to Upper. Um, and then we were Vandy this year. And this year coming up, we're going to be on Foster. And oh. senior, senior year remains to be seen. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Gotcha. Um, so have you – do you follow BC football still? Are you as big a fan as, you know, other football that you've played? Um, are you excited about the coaching hires? What, what, what's your story with BC football? Um. You know, I, I didn't actually get a chance to watch as much BC football as probably most people would expect, but I played rugby when I was at BC. So our game days were actually BC's game days. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And so uh, there were very few BC football games that I actually got to go to. And, you know, growing up in Florida, for me, it was high school, then straight to the pros in, in terms of fan base. Um, unless you were like FSU, UF, Miami Gators kind of debate. So I really watch college football in general, only when I'm like watching people that I'm looking for or, you know, that I have a personal relationship to somebody on the, on the field or coaching or we're scouting. So um, mm -hmm. there's just, you know, a lot of good football to watch. Yeah, yeah, for definitely. sure. You go, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, so what, what are you, what's your current role and, and what are you currently doing? I know that the Cardinals thing was a little while back and then there was the yeah. AAF. So, so what's going on now with you? Um, you know, I'm in, I'm in lockdown like a lot of people. My focus in football is, has really been um, creating opportunities for girls in the game. Um, I founded Gridiron Girls a little over two and a half years ago. Um, and we've done 35 girls camps across the country. Uh, awesome. Nobody was doing like an, a national scale um, movement for girls. So I wanted to be a part of that since um, obviously I didn't get to play football until after college. Um, and so I thought it was really important uh, to, to be that person. And then um, NFL flag is making a big push for females in flag and they've been doing a lot of good work in that. Um, I just got named as one of their, you know, kind of people who are changing the game. Um, and we're all going to be kind of taking a leadership role. Um, the NAIA just announced that they're going to have girls flag football for the first time as a varsity sport in 2021. Awesome. Um, so hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, schools like BC will want to get into that game um, later. Because, you know, obviously when you have an opportunity to have it be a varsity sport, then you're talking like life-changing circumstances of advancing education, scholarships, and some of those things. So um, in terms of actual on-the-field football, that's 
it, my focus has really been for the girls right now. Um, but you know, being in lockdown, it's pretty tough. And I, and I've been working with Adidas on it. Um, I am actually an Adidas sponsored athlete, which makes me the first, as far as we know, female in football to be signed by a major, um, by one of the major apparel brands. Hopefully that will not be the only for a long time, but really proud of Adidas for doing that, making that move. And um, they sponsor my girls camps as well. That's very cool. So awesome. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, so obviously, as you said, you played uh, rugby at BC. Um, growing up, were you more interested in rugby specifically or you were looking to play football and didn't have those opportunities that you're now trying to create and then rugby is the closest thing to it? What would you say, you, you know, where would you land on that spectrum? Um, I, I had never actually even seen rugby until I got to BC. Oh, wow. I always loved football. There just weren't opportunities for girls to play. I was a multi-sport athlete um, growing up. I was the captain of the soccer team two years in a row. Um, you know, played softball, ran track, um, tennis was my major sport when I was younger, awesome. uh, so pretty much played everything else. Um, I didn't understand being from a small town that you could be a great athlete and, um, people still wouldn't know about you. It was kind of like, I thought that they would know that we existed. So probably could have played collegiate soccer, um, did actually have offers to play if I went D3. Um, but I chose Boston college for the academics. Um, and never, you know, nobody really said like, you should try and walk on to the team or any of that stuff. I really didn't know how that worked. Um, you know, call it, call it the small town lack of guidance. Um, and you know, um, so when I found rugby, it was like, wait, what, what is this amazing sport, right? Like, what is this soccer meets football and wait we get to tackle but we don't need to wear pads yeah. and this is amazing and so you know I ended up playing prop for BC which is not the side you know the position that most people would place me in um being that I'm small and fast I was about half the size of everybody I went up against um but if you don't know rugby culture Ken Daly um who started rugby at Boston College I mean he is a legend and um, actually is still a good friend to this day. Um, he was our, our head coach. And then Christine Cantonelli, um, her nickname was Blotto. She used to play for the U.S. Eagles. And she was oh, the cool. one who, in my freshman year, was like, yeah, rookie, you're going to play prop. And everybody was kind of like, whoa, are you, what, like, what, you don't want to do that. And I was like, well, that's what coach said. You know, <laughs> coachable. Um, so I really fell in love with rugby at BC and I, I still credit my success in football with having started out in rugby um, and learning how to keep this beautiful face intact because when you don't have pads and a helmet, you do not want to lead with your face first. Um, and so when I transitioned into football, I already knew I could tackle anyone um, and had the best form to do it. And then I just became a little bit more invincible because, you know, now I had pads and a helmet, which there are a lot of people who would know me at BC, which would, they would tell you that I probably needed them the whole time. So. Yeah, no, when I was reading everything earlier, I found myself thinking like, she literally is like, and there's no better way to say it because in common pop culture, it's like football guy, like Jen Walter is a football guy, but like, Yep. Nowadays, I think we need to change that narrative. Like, it's not just football guys anymore. There are girls out there like you 
who are just as passionate and just as willing to put their bodies on the line to play the sport that they love. So I just think that's incredible. Yeah, um, 100%. And, you know, back to, to the BC football narrative, like all of so many of my best friends when I went to BC were like the football players. And it was so funny because we would always laugh. They'd be like, man, I just want to go like watch you smash some people, right? Like we would <laughs> talk about it. And it wasn't until my senior year um, that a bunch of my friends from the football team could actually come because, you know, rugby is spring and fall. Mm-hmm. And so they came out in the spring. I think we were playing Harvard Radcliffe, which we only beat them my senior year because um, they were just beasts back then. And they were like, okay, we have no idea what this game is doing. Um, but we pretty much think that your job is just kill everybody. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And they were like, how have we missed this sport? And we would have loved to come see you play. And so there's so much like love and respect between the sports. And, you know, I don't know if it's still this way, but when we used to play rugby, our practice field was on the seminary. Um, so we used to have to walk down to the seminary. And I think it wow. was, because they were like, somebody say a prayer for these crazy people. <laughs> right? Like, please bless them. They have clearly lost their minds. Because yeah. that is what the sport is. But it is good, too, to see that, um, you know, BC uh, football is is taking, you know, it to the next level, bringing in some new, new ideology. Um, I think the last time I was at a BC football game was when I was on the sidelines. Um, and they were playing Wagner, I think. Um, like those gray uniforms and I watched this guy break outside contain it was like the quarterback broke outside contain and ran up the field for like 60 yards and I really was right there and I remember Warren Zola who is a good friend uh was like do not tackle him I will (laughs) put that down and I was like oh it was so tempting though Mm -hmm. because I just (laughs) right there and I was like First of all, being a being a trenches girl who's like, you know, whether it's outside outside linebacker or D end, like, how do you lose contain? You have one job, right? And a quarterback just made you look look that bad, right? Like, that is my my rule of defense. Is like if you can't keep contain, then nothing else that we do in the middle matters. Right? Yeah. All of your blitzes, all of your gap integrity, everything, and one person got greedy and all of it goes away. Um, and I was, I was so mad. And that was the last time I was on the sidelines. So. Fair enough. <laughs> Wagner is really lucky that he did not get tackled by Jen Welter. <laughs> um, so would you ever be open to coming back and maybe coaching if the opportunity presented itself at BC or even another college, but mainly BC? Um, mainly VC. I, I like how you work that in there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, whether it was, I, so I did some time. Wow. It sounds, that sounded really bad. It sounded like prison. Um, some time. <laughs> um, after the AAF folded, um, a good friend of mine who was at Howard, um, at that time called me and said, coach, what's your plan? And I was like, I, I don't know yet. Right. Like it was literally like the next day. So he knows I don't oh, have wow. a plan yet. Right. Yeah. And he's like, well, you don't have a job. And I was like, ouch, gosh, you are so like, um, and he said, have you thought of college? And I said, well, uh, and he said, get in your car, 
drive to Howard. I know you don't know this, but I just took the head coaching job. Um, it's actually Ron Prince who used to be with the, um, with the lions and he okay, yeah. just come check out Howard and see if you would want a job here. And I went and I had so much fun with like the college kids cause they had so much energy and mm -hmm. they really wanted to learn. Um, and I actually, kind of was notorious very quickly um, because I didn't realize how close the meeting rooms were. And so I was working with the D-line um, and Sam Daniels was their D-line coach. And he was like, oh, you please tell them coach because maybe they'll listen to you. They, they certainly won't listen to me. And you're a lot better to look at. So you'll hold all their attention. Like he was awesome and we're having fun. And I was like trying to teach him something. And I, I forget what it was that I was teaching him. But they, you know, the guy kind of, one of the guys kind of pushed back and I was like, oh, honey, no, let me show you. And he was like, what? And I was like, stand up, big boy, because if I can do it on you, then you and all of this can certainly do it on somebody else. And, oh, it was pad leverage. Um, and I came up underneath his shoulder pads and walked him about three, like under where his shoulder pads would be, which right. you, know, you don't that to a girl the same way when they're not in pads, but dudes, yeah. it's fine. Um, and I kind of shucked him and pushed him back. And everybody was like, oh, honey, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like the, uh, you know, that's what you get for being down south, right? Like I'm from Florida, we, we still say honey, sugar, critters, all that stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, apparently one of the other rooms, I think it was the DBs, um, like they could hear it. And they were all like, oh, honey, no. And the coach was like, listen, you oh, honey, no her. And I'm going to have her come over here and school you too. And I was like, <laughs> we, had a, we had a great time. I think it was, um, I think it was far too close to the AAF because I was like, man, guys, I think you're amazing. But like, I still have a little co coaching PTSD right now. Mm -hmm. Like too soon, too soon. Right. Like, yeah. I, I, you know um because we had just almost finished that season and now you wanted us to like go right back into it um but the one thing i i struggle with in college is the major major part that recruiting is um and i really like the football um and while all <laughs> apparently all of my coaching buddies say i would be like the living room killer who would not be able to have any parents say no to me ever um I, I don't I don't really like the Twitter recruiting process. Like yeah. it just, it just seems really tough to me because I am such a relationship oriented person. Um so unless unless they wanted to like kind of take away the icky Twitter stalking part, um I, I am not sure that college would be my thing. Um but if it came to coming out and, and working with the football players on the football, yes, like that part I love. So that's no, where that's, I struggle with college. Yeah, no, and, and that's completely fair. You know, some people just, there's certain aspects that appeal to them and others that are a lot tougher. But one thing that I think coming into this before I did some of my research was the question that I'm assuming everyone asks that's like, you know, how do you deal with the locker room and everything like that? But what I realized after reading so much of your stuff was like, you come into a locker room as a female and get the respect as a female, but also as a coach. And I think the one thing that really set you apart for me was how you did the little notes things for players, because 
you know, Bill Belichick isn't going in on Sunday morning writing notes for everyone. It's a nice feminine touch, but it's something that is, you know, really gets players at, at their heartstrings and, and makes them want to play for you. So I think you are at an advantage um, in some respects being a female coach too. I think you can really get your players to rally behind you. Well, you know, I think one of the things that people miss is, you know, here's the great thing about having a coaching staff, right? And this is, this is what's beautiful about football, diversity, inclusion, any of that is it's about having multiple people and different approaches that might reach someone in a different way at a different time, right? Like the notes that I wrote for the players were something that I would have wanted, right? Like, and it wasn't like, you know, it was like reminders of like, hey, you know, be the leader that you're, you're meant to be, like step up, like leave no doubt that you belong here, just, you know, little things and revisiting things that we had talked about um, kind of throughout the week. And it was, it was that realization that, you know, those moments in the locker room were tough, right? And for a lot of those guys, that's, that's the, the moment that is the actualization of the biggest dream in their life. Right. Like from that moment when they caught a pass and said, you know, mom, I'm going to play in the NFL one day. This was that moment. And none of us is immune to that, like, you know, that voice of doubt in your head. And so what I always told the guys is like, I just want the voice in your head to be mine because I know what I'll tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'll tell you. And you know that I'm always going to approach a situation with like trust and love. Right. Like, you trust that I'm never going to give you anything less than my best. Does it mean it's perfect? No, absolutely not. I might break something down wrong. Um, you know, there may be a better technique or this or that, but I'm never going to give you something that I believe is less than the best. And hopefully we'll get better together. But if you trust me enough as an athlete to allow me to, for example, help you with something in your life that's going on outside of football, which happens a lot, right? Like nobody's a robot, nobody shows up and like life stops. Um, then I certainly know that you're gonna let me help you with the technique, right? Like you need to get your dip, you know, your dip and rip lower or get to heel depth and squeeze the O-line before you know you head. I mean, those things become really easy when you trust the person that you're dealing with. And yeah. also do that through love and mutual respect, right? And one of the things that I have always done is believe, you know, you're only as good a coach as you know your players. And there's lots of different ways to get to know your players, but for mine, it was taking the time to be personally available. So, you know, the we might have like, especially at the AAF, like the coaches are all sitting together at the coaches table. Well, I'm good, right? Like I, I spend enough time with you dudes. So I'm going <laughs> to take this time to maybe like, you know, have a one-on-one -on -one with one of my players, yeah. get to know them, you know, see that one of the guys who like I love, right. Um, who was one of my D linemen, uh, TJ Barnes, who other coaches were scared of because he had a bit of a reputation coming in. Um, I watched him FaceTiming his daughter. Okay, so I'm not scared of you, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, here's a guy who has been misunderstood his whole career, and I could have misunderstood him too if I hadn't taken the time for us to just talk, right? Yeah. 
And I remember him telling me, like, he told me one day, he was like, coach, my wife asked about you. And I was like, really, what, what did she say? And he said, you know, she just asked me how I felt about having a woman as a coach. And I said, okay, well, what'd you tell her? He said, well, you know, I told her, babe, you know me, I don't, I don't talk to anybody I don't like. And he said, she laughed. And then I said, I talked to her. <laughs> That's that really cool. Yeah. Right. And he was a, he's a, a gentle giant in a lot of ways who, you know, would put on his hoodie and earphones really to like keep the outside world out yeah. and had nothing to do with anything, but the fact that he was a little shy and didn't necessarily like to be thrust in those situations where he was often judged as a, you know, a giant six foot seven African-American man. And, you know, he just said, I talked to her. Right. And that, and that's a different relationship. And so on a staff, you want to have more than one type of person so that all of the players find the right person to communicate with at the right time. And maybe one style works for one person and another style works for another one. But together as a staff, we have it all covered. Right. Yeah. So it's not like it's it's better or worse. It's better together with those different voices and perspectives and approaches in the room. Totally. And that, that's an awesome approach. A very cool story. Um, I was going to ask next. Now, obviously, you have so much experience playing football, but from the coaching side, uh, who are your biggest inspirations as a coach? You know, people you've worked with, maybe people you've just studied yourself. Well, who would you say for that? Well, you know, thankfully, it, First of all, like the, my style was mostly influenced by getting my master's and PhD. Um, cool. and, and, you know, I read tons of books and, and different things in that time um, on leadership style and coaching. I think, I, I don't think I ever stopped um, and just really tried to take it all in. Um, and, I, and when I did that, I never had the um, idea that I was going to end up coaching but I studied a lot of coach athlete communication because I was fascinated mm. by it. Um, and probably because I'd also had a lot of bad coaches along the way, right. And certain things that I just don't believe in, like, you know, um, and I'll give an example. Um, you know, you'll hear somebody say like, Oh my gosh, why could you do, why did you do that? That's so stupid. Right. Or you're so stupid. Yeah. You're not stupid because you did something wrong. It might've been a stupid play, right? But we can fix a bad play. We yeah. can't fix stupid, right? So where are you putting a label on a player that then follows them, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas a bad decision, well, that, that could be my fault as a coach, right? I could have given you bad information, or maybe I didn't coach you up enough, right? And so things like that became really important to me. And also the ability to you know, really get to the heart of conversations with players and having us know that we're on the same page, at least in, in terms of intention. Um, and then Terry Glenn, TG, was actually with me at the Texas Revolution when I, when I first coached in indoor football. And, you know, TG was such a, such a good dude. He was often misunderstood. He actually had social anxiety disorder, which, you know, a lot of the times lent people to, you know, really 
misjudge him. And, you know, I get emotional when I talk about CG because unfortunately we lost him a couple of years ago. Um, but he, when we were at practice one day and, you know, really nobody knew I was going to the Cardinals except for a very small group of people because I knew it couldn't get out anywhere else. Um, it had to come from them. It had to be done the right way. I pretty much had to pick up my life almost like a ghost in the night to go do it. Um, and so I didn't get a chance to really like, you know, get a lot of opinions or voices on that. And TG said, you know, Jen, I've been thinking a lot about you going to the NFL and the best advice I can give you is to be 100% authentic. If you are the same person that you were with us here every day, those guys in the NFL will absolutely love you. But if you're fake in any way, they will sense it and eat you alive. And so I took that as kind of a guiding principle for, you know, really trusting my instincts um, and giving me strength if I, if I wasn't sure what to do to, to go with, you know, who I was, as opposed to, you know, I can't coach exactly like one of those big dudes do. They're like toe to toe, chest to chest, eye to eye. I'd be toe to toe, chest to belly button, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't work, right? It can't be exactly the same. Yet what I would say is that certain coaches have really influenced me in the strength of realizing what my unique value proposition would be. Um, Daryl Drake, who's another great man who unfortunately we lost earlier this year when he was with the Steelers as a, uh, or no. Yeah. It was earlier this year uh, with the Steelers. Um, he was a receivers coach and Drake was that guy who, you know, always, you know, like that guy who always has a side hustle. He always knows how everything moves. Like you got to talk to this guy for this and yeah, this guy, yeah. you know, he knows, he knows all about the game within the game and Drake I, I don't know why, but Drake took a liking to me. Um, he had me come in like day one. He's like, coach, sit down, let's talk, blah, blah, blah. Drake had a master's. And he told me that as much football as I'd played, my biggest asset coming into that team was my master's in sports psychology and my PhD in psychology. And to be able to reach these men in a way that maybe other people could and I just kind of remember being like, really? Like, you know, and, and all of the guys were like, oh my gosh, like the football is cool, but you're a doctor. Like the oh, wow. players were fascinated. Like, you know, that was, and, and they would talk to me about things because they wanted to understand it. Right. So Drake told me about a player that he had coached when he was in Chicago named Brandon Marshall. And mm. this was before it was actually like a, a topic to, you know, talk about mental health in sports. And, right. you know, he would tell me about how, like, you know, he could tell the days that, you know, Brandon might not be himself and, and really like gear his, his communication with him and how much it pushed him to learn and understand Brandon as an individual, because he needed to know him as a person in order to be able to get one of the best in the game to do what he needed to do. And he said, that's, that's what you bring coach. And I was like, and he really said, no matter what, like, don't lose that. And mm. that to me was like, 
wow, okay. You know, because I'm feeling like a young coach and, you know, this and he's going, but you're a doctor, right? And my, you know, my dissertation for my PhD was on the NFL's use of the Wonderlick and player right. selection. He was like, you know things about this that none of us do. And he was like, so think about taking what you have with what we have, like old dogs like me who know all the tricks, and then you can break through in that way. He was like, that's special. And Larry Foote, who was my direct mentor with the Cardinals, he yeah. was the same. You know, he was, so we coached the inside linebackers together. Right. Um, Bruce, um, you know, BA had him as a player, really right. Just, you know, when, and when Footy got injured, I call him Footy because I can. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's cool. No, nobody, he'd be like, girl, nobody else can say that. Right? <laughs> um, but, you know, he was so bright. And when he got injured, BA immediately made him a coach. Now, that doesn't happen, yeah. right? But he yeah. wanted to keep Foot on his staff and on his team and build into him. And then he put us together. Cause he's like, I just think you two will be so good together and he's new. Right. So, so he'll have like backup. So it wasn't like, Oh, you're, you know, just going to mirror him or shadow him. He was like having two, the two of you will be an advantage for my players. And that's yeah. how B said it. And, you know, I remember foot, like he was like, you can do this. He said, no doubt. I mean, I've been with you every day. I used to joke and say I had spent more time with him than any dude I'd ever dated because, you know, we never got away from each other. I'd right, be like, yeah. Man, it's only, you know, it hasn't been that long. And I'm like, I can never <laughs> believe you, right? Like, <laughs> we even work together, um, which I wouldn't have had. I mean, I couldn't have had a better person to do that with. But, you know, he was like, you can do this job. No doubt. He's like, I've seen it. And he's like, everybody here knows it. And he said, but don't lose that PhD. He said, the fact that you played this game, you coached this game, and you have that, he's like, that's something else that I've never seen it. Like, he's like, I've never, never seen that in my whole career. And, um, and, and so he always was really just very supportive of that. And, and honestly, it was my PhD that, intrigued I think BA the most because he knew he was like this is going to be tough and I know you have tools that other people don't to handle the pressure to handle the visibility to handle men who may or may not want you you know in the game much less in their in their meeting room right like and, and I think it was that with combined with the other factors that really gave him the confidence to to pull that trigger um, and both BA and, and then Brad Childress, who hired me at the AAF, you know, one thing I love about the two of them and, you know, and they know it and is they would, they would ask me about things that weren't just the X's and O's of football, right? Like, you know, we would talk about leadership and, you know, uh, I remember BA asking me about, you know, a player who was struggling about with something at one time that was a leadership role and I said, so make him not a captain. And he was like, but I mean, wouldn't that? And I was like, not, it, it depends on how you frame it. Not yeah. like the pressure of being a captain isn't for everyone. Like I was never a captain. I didn't want to be like, I wanted to help people when they wanted me to help them. And I also just 
always felt like I had so much more to do that like I wasn't that rah-rah person or the front of the huddle. Like not everybody is that person. And he ended up like that person ended up not being captain later and had one of his best seasons ever. And it was hard for him because he put so much time in being that person that he often was thinking about those things more than he was focusing on his own game. Right. And so sometimes shifting those roles can be really beneficial. So just all of the coaches I've been around have, you know, shaped something for better or worse in my mentality, but also I think my strategic advantage in anything is that I'm so coachable, right? Like I don't, I don't believe that any one of us has all the answers. And so when I say coachable, it means from the perspective of my players, like, Hmm. and I say this, whether it's, you know, consulting in another sport, which I do often working with coach athlete relationships or working with my own players is if you will trust me enough to be able to see through your eyes, hear through your ears, play a game in your cleats, then I can always help you. But if I don't know you or know what you want or what's best for you, then the best that I've got is a guess. Right. And I'm a good guesser. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Right? Like I am a well-informed guesser and I will do my best, but how much better can I be if you just actually let me know you? Right. And, you know, so whether it was sitting with them at a meal and knowing what was important to them or, you know, taking things from different coaches. Like, I think that's where the influence comes from. And I, I hope I'm always learning, right? Like I, I hope that I'm learning my players, right? Like, I mean, that, that relationship aspect is so huge in the coach athlete dynamic, right? Like I just had one of my players and he's, he's a former player of mine. I love him. He played for Clemson Tavares Barnes. So we had, two Barneses in, in one building. And one was TJ and one was oh, right. okay. TJ yeah. and TJB. So this is a different one, but <laughs> one of my um, D linemen. And he used to say like, he didn't, he didn't really like people that much. He didn't like to be in front of a group leadership. And, you know, and now he's evolved so much in himself that he is like, you know, getting people mobilized to like vote and like, oh, wow. you know, doing all these things. And, writing writing poems and spoken word oh, wow and he was really cool. never allowed to express that before right he always thought there was something wrong with him for thinking that way right and yet you know some of the conversations that we've had were around that and he was like coach i wasn't allowed to do that like I, I, my father wasn't in the picture so nobody told me as a man that i could say that like i love you as my coach these are these are life things that then express yeah. themselves on a football field. Yeah, just wow. write the forward for his spoken word, right? And is that football? Is that coaching? Is that relationship? Well, it it all works together because do you think if I tell him that I need him to do this on a football field that he's going to trust me? Darn right he is. Right, because of the relationship. I have I have never had a player that I had a great coach athlete relationship with 
say no to anything that I ask them to do on a football field. Like, no, coach, I'm not going to do that. Right. But that's, that's the human level. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, Hey man, what was I doing on this or blah, 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 blah. And, and there were times when I, I couldn't even be there and they would like have me look at film because I wasn't their direct coach anymore, but they would trust the feedback that I would give them. Right. And to me, that's, that's what is so important. So my players, a lot of the times influence what that is. And, and that doesn't mean that they get different treatment. And this is important. They may have a different relationship, but certain things stay consistent, right? If we say that you're, you know, if you're late, you're going to have to run a lap, then you're going to have to run a lap, right? You can tell me why later, right? And we can talk about it, but you're still running a lap, yeah. right? We, we may need to discuss it and something may be going on at home and that's cool, but you still have to have responsibility to your team. And, and when you're authentic and transparent and consistent like that, not everybody will like you for it, but they'll respect you. Right. And if the trust and love is there and you, you give the, the reasoning behind why you're doing things, um, there's a lot of room for growth, right? Like, you know, I've had players, Oh man, coach, you're hard on me. Yep. You're right. Do you know why? Well, I mean, maybe no, because you can do it. Right. And I'm doing you no favors by letting you be less than. So like, right. you know, I used to say the same thing when I was playing, right? Like I remember one day I got chewed out by a receiver. She's like, well, do you always go so hard? Like, blah, blah, blah. We're not even in pads. And I was like, so if I ever go easy on you, it's because I don't think that you're good enough to deal with me at my best. Like to me, that's an insult that I'm five foot two and you are five foot 11 and I had to mark you up. So yes, we ended up on the ground. Do you think I want to end up on the ground? No. But the only way that I'm going to be able to knock that ball down is if I go up for it. So what are you mad about? I think you're good. And I think you're worth my best. Yeah. Right. Not everybody will like that. Some days they just want to have an easy day. But when you tell them, like, I am giving you my best because you deserve it and you should want everybody around you to give you their best, you know, there will be respect for it. And I've had people later be like, man, I didn't even realize how much that meant. Right? Like, I, I kind of hated you then. And I'm like, I'm not surprised, right? People are not really neutral when it comes to me. I have, I have a lot of people that love, admire, and respect me. And I have a lot of people who can't stand me, right? It's fine. I'm not really a, a gray person. And I, I would rather know that somebody couldn't stand me than, than have them, you know, say that they were my best friend and stab me in the back. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Actually that practice story reminded me of, I, I don't know if it was your first game or one of the couple games when you were uh, with the Texas Revolution when you knocked the guy down and said, is that all you got? That's incredible. That's awesome. Well, I, I want to know, like, what was his reaction to it? <laughs> so, you know, um, I got tackled by two guys, right? And I, I actually didn't know. One of the guys, you know, he came over to me after. I wish I had still had the picture. And he was like, yo, I just, I, I just love you. Like, he was just like, <laughs> amazing. And I guess he had... Um, kind of freaked out after he's like, there's a girl, like she's gonna like get her out of here. Like this 
this is just, this isn't okay. Like he was really conflicted that I was going to get hurt. Like he kind of mm-hmm. freaked out, like, you know, um, cause getting hit by two guys at one time is, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, especially when the mandate that the defense was given is the girl doesn't score, right? We could have scored a million points if they would have been smart enough to use me as a decoy. That's what I would have done. Um, I would have probably told myself, you're never getting the ball because the whole defense is going to huh. track you. Right. Right. Like I would have used me as a small, fast person as like a decoy receiver to drag the safety attention. Right. Like I would have said, totally. You're not getting the ball until they forget that you're on the field because Mm -hmm. right now everybody's looking at you. Yeah. I would have set up every decoy in the world. Um, And we did finally score when I faked the handoff and the quarterback, uh, Josh Floyd bootlegged out and scored and the whole crowd booed because they thought I was in the end zone and I was, but it was such a good fake that they had tracked me and Floyd got in. Right. But that's football, right? Like that's smart coaching. It's not, I didn't need to score. Like I didn't even need to get the ball. Me, you know, me, I would have loved it even more if like those two guys had hit me and I was like, "Mm, no ball. (laughs) (laughs) Like great job. But you know, for me at that point, um, popping up, the way I did was a, an extension of something I'd done my whole career, which was being small. I never wanted to stay on the ground. Um, I, I knew I was little, so I had to get them to think that I was like invincible. So I would pop back up and often like, you know, help the person up and be like, Hey baby, do you need a hand up? Cause I'm gonna be here all day. Right. Like, yeah. I wouldn't talk smack. Like a lot of people, like I would blow kisses. I was a jerk. Like they didn't know if I was like, <laughs> not bright or insane. (laughs) Um, And so that was always my mentality. That's, that's the advantage of like learning how to professionally mess with minds and get a master's and a PhD in psychology as you're playing the game. Cause I used to try out everything. I'd be like, "Hmm, I wonder if this works. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so that was always my mentality. Now the other guy, um, so I had heard from the one and he was like, this is the craziest thing ever. And he still messaged me like from time to time, like, I'm so proud of you. Like you, you know, um, but there was another guy who the following season, when I went to coach, it was after my first day and he comes up and he says, you know, coach Jen, uh, my name's now I want to meet you. And I was like, yeah, okay, great. Great to meet you. And he said, I know, I, I'm not sure if you know this, but um, I played on the North Texas crunch last year. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was the game he played in the first game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, but coach, it's, it's not all I want to tell you. And I was like, okay. It's like, do you remember that hit when, you know, you got hit by two guys and da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. I see it all the time. I will never forget. <laughs> and he goes, Okay, so I was one of the one of the guys <laughs> who hit you. And I was like, okay, cool. Like at least I know you can hit. Right? Like I'm not mad. Like yeah. that's your job, right? And he was like, he starts laughing. He was like, but that's also not what I wanted to tell you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> now we're what do you want to tell me? Right. <laughs> and he said, So I made that hit. And I mean, coach. That was a kill shot. Like, like, bam, like career, <laughs> like, this is a highlight reel. And I was like, yeah, 
I know. <laughs> right? And he goes, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, I was still on the ground and I realized like that was a kill shot. And then he was like, oh, it was a kill shot on a girl. I might've killed a girl. And, you know, I'm on the ground and I'm kind of looking around for you and you're already up on your feet. <laughs> and then you said it. And then I start laughing. And he's like, you said, is that all you got? And I thought, I don't know, self, is that all I've got? He said, question, you made me question my manhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He said, that That's was so funny. the coldest thing you could have done. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And, and to me, it was funny because is that all you got was like, I took the very best that you have and I'm still here, right? Like you wanted to take me out. You didn't think I belonged here. And I got right back up and lined up. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. And, and really, I didn't, I, I, in my mind, I thought that they were talking smack, right? It was so loud in that building that like, in my mind, they were like talking smack and whatever. And I was like, okay, is that all you got? <laughs> and I didn't really realize that everybody was cheering because I wasn't dead, right? Like, <laughs> it wasn't actually everybody like talking smack against me. It was actually them cheering for me. So, so that is- Like, I, like I said earlier, like you are literally just, and we're gonna start calling it football girl. Like you are the epitome of football girl. Um, but a big football guy, and we mentioned him earlier, was Bruce Arians. And I got to know, like, what is the best Bruce Arians story you have? I just, everything about him fascinates me. <laughs> you know, B.A. is just, he's such a cool dude. And he really just, he just loves the people that he's around and has just a, a really good way of also being honest and authentic. And, you know, we knew there was going to be like weird times. Um, and one of my favorite little things that he said is like, we were at practice one day and he goes, hey, coach, don't, don't get mad at me if I mess up and call you baby one day. Like, it's not personal. I call everybody baby. And I said, that's all right, coach. Just don't get mad when I call you baby. And he, <laughs> and he started laughing and he was like, perfect. Um, That's awesome. But I remember I talked to his wife about this one time. It was like when the first time I met him, um, and I mean, I, 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 I probably became his biggest fan the first day I met him when I realized here's the most powerful man on the field. And he made me feel like the whole, that I was the most, most important person there, right? Like, here I am, it's OTAs, you know, there's not another woman around for miles probably, right? And I walk out there and it's obvious, obvious who I am, right? Because there's no other ponytail. Well, there could be ponytails, but <laughs> there's no other girls. And he walks over, coach, it's so great to meet you. I've heard such good things from your head coach, blah, 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 blah. And he walks me over personally. And we're talking and he's like, he's making fun of like the exercise bikes that are on the sidelines, right? Like, this is the first thing I remember. He's like, so you see these bikes over here? And I'm like, yeah, 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 coach. And he was like, so let me tell you about these bikes. 
this is rookies right here because these guys work so hard in the off season to get like another 0.0000 off their 40 time. And they've worked really hard at running in a straight line. And then they get out here and they have to play football injured bike. And I'm like, telling <laughs> me, right? Like we're walking. He's like, this He's like, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just not the same mentality about ball anymore, coach. And I was like, <laughs> right, agreed. Right, like, what? And yeah. <laughs> then he's like, okay, so I got to tell you, up here, these cameras said, you know, Big Brother can watch everything that we do at all times, makes sure practice times, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, really and he was like oh yeah coach they, they watch everything you can't hold these these men for five minutes extra like it's all on the clock it's all this and i was like okay he said now i'm glad you came today as opposed to yesterday and i was like why he said i was mic'd up for the nfl network man i you know i couldn't have even talked to you but today they're <laughs> it's like and all coaches we hate that right and he was yeah. like but today they're yeah. They're torturing coach over there, so let's smile and wave at him because he is so mad. <laughs> I, like I was like, this dude is so dope, right? He's so funny. And then he starts asking me about like my dissertation and all of this stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay. And he says, what do you say? He said, um, oh, let's talk about, let's say he's like, you came from rugby, right? Yep said let's talk about full pad practice and i said what do you want to talk about he said did you know i can only in the regular season put these guys in pads for 14 days in full pads and i said no coach and he goes how the am i supposed to build a football team when i can only put these guys in pads 14 days and i said man i don't know coach but maybe you should go get some of my guys from from arena because I can promise you, I don't think we've been out of pads 14 days. And frankly, I don't think I was out of pads 14 days my whole career. And he looked at me and he goes, by the way, uh, F and cuss. And I said, good, <laughs> it's F and football. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he smiled and he goes, all right, coach, can you hang out till after practice? Cause I want to talk to you more, but you know, I've been over here for too long hiding and they're going to actually want me to do some work. Do you mind waiting? And I was like, what? <laughs> and when I told his wife that story, she goes, oh, honey, that was a job interview. I know my husband, right? <laughs> if the F word faced me, how the F could I be the first female coach in the NFL? Because there were going to be things that were a lot tougher. And yeah. It's so interesting with a man like that because there's there's so many wheels turning at all times. And yet as he does it, he really just is like a guy who thinks differently. Um, and he later told me about a coach that he had met when he was uh, from Heinz College, when he coached in college and her name was Dot Murphy. And he said she was the receivers coach and one of the best I'd ever been around. And it, it impacted him so deeply that that like that hadn't changed in all this time. And, and he said, like, I don't know yet if I can make this happen, but I want you to know it's in my heart to try. 
So it wasn't like I banged down the doors of the NFL and, you know, somebody has to take me. It really was, you know, the strength of his heart and his character that made that happen. And funny enough, I told the story about Dot Murphy the other day in an interview and Sarah Thomas heard it. Well, Sarah and I are good friends to this day. We lovingly say that our destinies have been woven together for the yeah. end of time, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, did you say Dot Murphy? And I was like, yeah, why? She said, Jen, do you know that's been one of my mentors my whole life? <laughs> wow. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, I had never heard that story before. And she was like, I'm, I, I have to tell her. And she was like, she sends me a text and she was like, I told her and she wants to meet you. She's like, wouldn't that be a kick? And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, it would. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's just a real depth to him that comes from, as he believes, like, um, and one of the things he loved about me was reading a player's eyes. Um, and he says that reading a player's eyes is looking at, at a man and knowing what one player needs versus another and, and realizing that they're all different and they all need something, something different. And um, that's what he, he always said he loved about me. Um, and he credits his ability to read guys' eyes with his time as a bartender. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually really cool. He's the coolest dude. Like he just yeah. really He really seems it. Yeah. Um, so I have a last couple questions coming up here. Yeah. So firstly, um, I did see that you had the picture with Snoop Dogg, and I feel like I'm compelled to ask as a big hip hop head, like what was that all about? How did that <laughs> happen? Was was it because he was was he in Madden for Superstar KO? Or, or was it like he is in it um he yeah, got yeah. added later but i've known snoop for several years now um the coach right too huh he, he coaches too like he has um the one i watched the show on netflix a while he back has, and i'm actually in that if you look closely oh, in really? the last game, you can you can see me pop up there um <laughs> well i've known snoop for six years now i met him i think in uh well, no, it might have been five. So when the Super Bowl was in Arizona, that's when yeah. I met him. Um, and we both played together in the Wounded Warriors amputee game. That's really um, good. And when I said my bio, he was like, little mama, come here right now. <laughs> <laughs> my life. And he like tried on my Super Bowl or my gold medal ring. And he's like taking a picture of it. And, and then um, – I caught his attention as a football player because I sacked Jake Plummer on the second play of the game. And, oh. you know, to, to sack Jake the Snake is pretty good because yeah. Jake is mobile. And he's like, y'all can't stop my girl. She's killing y'all. Right? Like, <laughs> just such a football fan. So yeah. then I get all the guys that are starting to pay attention to me, right? Like all the other players. And Snoop comes over and he's like, all right, baby, here's what we're going to do. He's like, now – all these dudes, they're all paying attention to you because you're killing the quarterback. So I want you to slow roll behind the O-line, like get them all to look at you, kind of talk some smack. And he's like, then I'm going to line up over here at the corner. I'm going to do a corner blitz, and they're all going to be looking at you. And we got this, right? So I'm like, oh, da-da-da-da-da, y'all can't stop me. I'm coming for you, Jake. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> really playing it up. And they're all like looking at me, everybody slants towards me and Snoop just like rolls back and he was like, 
because y'all busy with looking at my girl. <laughs> like the easiest sack you've ever seen in football, right? And he That's literally awesome. like, y'all looking at my girl. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, really got to be like friends on the football field that day. And, you know, of course he gets to be whisked away right before the mob hits after a game. And he's like, hey, are you coming to my game? And I was like, I thought this was the game, right? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I was like, what the? he just invited me to something, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And so I'm talking to other people and it was Friday night before the Super Bowl, you know, like one of the big party nights, like, you know, Maxim and all that stuff, which is not really my thing. Like I'll go and, and chill, but like, I, I'm, I, I much prefer like people connections than just the big B scene scenes. Um, sure. Those get a little tiring. Um, and, and we're going through like the list of events and somebody's like, oh, and there's Snoop's game. And I was like, wait, what, what game? And he's like, oh, he has, um, it's the Snooper Bowl. And I was like, what? Of course. Like, That's <laughs> awesome. Snoop's Super Bowl. And he was like, they, they were like, he brings in his team and they play another team. It's his youth league. And I was like, oh, I'm going to that. And they were like, you're going to skip. And I think it was Max. They're like, you're going to skip Maxim to go to a football game. And I was like absolutely right like <laughs> without question who are you once again to, right? football girl <laughs> right like, who are you talking to right so i go to this game and there's um a, a his director of football ops her name's nakani and nakani sees me and she was like coach oh no i wasn't coach jen yet she was like does he know you're here and i said oh i don't I mean, I don't think so. You know, he invited me to the game and I just, I heard where it was. So I just came through and she was like, come with me. And the game had ended, like it was at the end of the game and, and he was, you know, swamped with reporters as always. And like, she just has me standing next to him and he like kind of, you know, does something and he's talking and he looks and he stops and he was like, you came to my game. <laughs> yeah. Come here. He's like, y'all don't understand. This is like, she's like the best football player in the world. She's like, <laughs> USA. And he like starts saying all these things. He's like, no, no I, I can't even do it, Justin. Tell him who you are. And I was like, ah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just got thrown into the media. And this was before the NFL, right? This was right. before the Cardinals, all that stuff. And he's like, just tell him who you are, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> right? And um, so, like, he thrust me into that. Then he finishes his interview, and we stood and talked on the field for probably like an hour and a half. Because that's, that's awesome. His space, right? Like, yeah. and, and the Snoop Youth Football League, like, that is his passion. He'd been doing that for years and years and years before the show, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, we're family now. He's like, you showed up to my game. And I was like, <laughs> that's so cool. You asked me to, right? That's and he so goes, awesome. He's like, Jen, it's the biggest party night at Super Bowl. You know how many people want me to show up and roll through their stuff? And he said, do you know how many people I invite to my game? How many of them do you see here now? Yeah. And I was like, true. <laughs> and he's like, and you, yeah. you here, and we just met. He was like, that's, yeah. that's it for me. Um, and so we, um, 
a couple of years. Oh, well, we went back and forth. And then when they had the show, oh, so when I'm in, when I was with the Cardinals, right? Cause that was later this same year. Like Snoop would like put stuff up on his Instagram of like me on TV. And then of course, all my players would be like, coach, really? Snoop Dogg? Can we meet him? And I'm like, no, give <laughs> you a playbook. And right, but instant street cred, right? So if anybody yeah, yeah. thought that maybe the players wouldn't like listen, right. um, Snoop Dogg gave me like an endorsement on IG. So like, we're good, right? Oh, like yeah. they, they all now think, oh, right? He's like posting clips and stuff on there. Um, but then uh, we really got to become friends when Nikani called me, um, it was four years ago now, um, I guess. And she said, coach Jen, I need you. And I was like, what's up? And she said, so I, I know, I, I don't think you know this, but my daughter, um, is special needs. And I was like, okay. And, and she was like, and, and so I went to Snoop and I said, you know, we should do something for special needs kids in football. And I was like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And she goes, yeah, but he wants to do it like now. And I thought I'd have like a year, but he doesn't like to wait. And so <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to do it. And I was like, Oh, that's all right. We got this. Like we can do it. And so we did an all special needs, um, camp, uh, four years ago for the first time. And now it's been a league for like three years now. Wow. And we just finished up virtual Snoop special stars. Um, oh. and he really is like, you know, one of my favorite people in this world. Like he has been a supporter of mine in, you know, in lots of different ways and and really it's it's the connection through the kids um that like we both have in common and you know there's been a couple of times when i've just really gotten to have like just one-on-one -on -one conversations with him and they're he's so he's so thoughtful and just wonderful right like you know he actually when i was in talks with adidas and he was with them he like push that forward he's like what are y'all doing yeah. like you talking to my girl like uh you need to make something happen and yeah. you know, he just he really is a person who is is strong in his beliefs and and he's coached me up in so many ways about like you know having the right people around you like that was one of the things that really i'll never forget and he was talking to me about like he was like you know i just i see your grind i see your hustle i love what you're doing for the girls and he was like, they're going to see it. He's like, eventually he goes, you know, like, let's use my league. For example, he's like, I used to, I, I've been doing this forever. People only knew it just recently. And he said, but I had to fire a lot of people to get to where I am in terms of a team. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, it used to be like, I had my team and my practices and, you know, everybody was trying to book me on something that would conflict. Right. They're trying to push me to do this and go here. And I'd be like, no, like, like this is my time for the kids and the community. Like, don't do it. And my team used to fight me. And he was like, so I fired my team in to the point where I now have a team who knows like that certain things just come first and certain mm -hmm. things are, are non-negotiable. And he was like, he's like, now they know like, Oh, we're going to schedule this around, you know, Snoop league. And like, you know, that's already blocked off and, and that can't be touched. And, and you have to find those people who are in alignment with who you are, how you move and what it is that you want to do, not what's good for them to have you do. Right. And 
I just remember being like, man, like to get that kind of advice from somebody who has been so strong for so long and done so many different things, right? Like, and he really is like a friend. Um, And a lot of people see like a picture and they're like, oh, that was so cool. And I'm like, yeah, but like, if, if we were to, and this has happened before, like we were at, at places and he had his whole security team around him and you know, like he's in the, the, the protected bubble, right? And he's like, no, no, you gotta grab her, like grab her now, like, come on, right? Like, and I'm like, oh, okay, good. I was about to get smushed, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it really is like a, a really good friendship. And um, I consider it like a, a real blessing. And the fact is that, you know, he knew me before the world knew me. And yeah. he believed in me um, as a football player. Um, and and has always and has been unrelenting in his support since then. And he knows, like my family knows how much like the special stars and that means. Like my my sister's graduation from acupuncture school this year was on the same day as the um, as the Snoop camp, um, and we'd had it scheduled forever. And my sister was like, "Oh no, don't come to a boring graduation. You go there for the kids." Yeah. And when I told him that story, he like immediately like records a message on his phone and he's like sis great job like what's up on your graduation thanks for letting me have you know your sister today like blah 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 like and she was like did i just get a message (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome you know what here here everyone is thinking that to be in with Snoop, you just have to like smoke up some time and be able to chill. But really the secret's just going to a football game and skipping out on the Super Bowl. You know? It, That's it is, incredible. I mean, his love and passion for the kids in the community, like like that's that's his world, right? Like he created yeah. that because of the goodness of his heart. And I think a, a lot of people have misperceptions of whether it's Snoop Dogg or, or other players, like yeah the guys that I've connected with that are, are my friends are the ones who we've connected through humanity, not through a partner, right. Or like not through a party. Right. If it's at a party, it's because of what we know about each other. It's not Mm -hmm. some purse that I'm carrying or shoes that I'm wearing. It's like, Oh man, you know, I heard about this time that you did blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk ball, you know, or, um, you know, a lot of the guys that I've connected with have come through someone who maybe I coached or work with. And they're like, like, I've gotten calls from people who I didn't know. Um, and they were like, Hey, you know, so-and-so gave me your number. Uh, and they said you would get it. And I'm like, I don't know what it yet is, but uh, yeah, (laughs) I probably do. Um, and, and to me, that's what's so important. That's also why, um, I'm, you know, so vocal on the support of, you know, the players that I have and love, like another one that I, another guy who I think gets a bad rap sometimes, and you just picked up with him in the Boston area is Cam Newton. Um, And first of all, I think that Bill Belichick just got master of the universe points. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, Josh Daniels is finally like, holy cow, I get to like unlock my playbook. And you know, I know some people don't understand Cam, but Cam is one of just the most genuine people 
I've ever met. We also met through um, kids. Uh, he used to have his show all in with Cam Newton, yep. which was all about giving kids a shot at like their dream. And he had a little girl named Alasia who said she wanted to play football. And obviously Cam doesn't need me for that. He can teach her everything he needs about football, but he thought she needed um, a girl uh, yeah. to learn from. And so he had me film that show with him. You know, I taught Alasia how to tackle him. We're doing all this stuff. And after the show, Cam says, coach, I beat your team last year. <laughs> and I said, I'm aware. And he said, but they didn't have you anymore. If you were there, what would you have done differently? And I said, honestly, I would have jammed the heck out of Olsen, kept him on the line, never let him free release because you didn't have any other weapons, kept yep. your big butt in the pocket and made you have to throw the football to someone other than him, right? And there was something else that I had added in, but I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he was like, they should have kept you then, coach. <laughs> With awesome. that, they might have had a shot. Yeah. And that's all Cam needed to know. Right, he needed to see my football IQ, mm -hmm. right? He needed to know that I was a football player, that I was a football person, that it wasn't some publicity stunt of we just got a girl and she don't know what mm -hmm. she's doing. Because ever since that moment, it was like, hey, Shane, who runs all of his events, make sure the coach is there, like she's always got an open invite, like boom, boom. And then, you know, we've now played kickball together. He doesn't do golf tournaments. Cam does kickball. That's um, really cool. That's awesome. He is, and I'm also one of his go-to spades partners, just FYI. Mm. <laughs> but he is probably one of the most competitive men I've ever met in my life. Like, mm. here we are at this kickball tournament, and he's got his Timberlands on. <laughs> That's so awesome. Men, <laughs> oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, my team's winning. So the way he sets up, his kickball tournament is that like when i beat you i get to take your best two Ooh. right so i get to wow. take your two best players now i think football playoffs would be a whole lot more interesting if we had that rule that'd be really cool <laughs> that's yeah. insane super dope like i would oh, call yeah. it the newton rule but yeah um, so like we're in the first game and i'm I, I had never played kickball before, but mm -hmm. I realized very quickly how important the catcher is because they're bunting. Like you better have somebody good. It's not like you just need to stick somebody there. So right. I, I ended up moving myself from like, was either outfield or second base to like catcher. Cause mm -hmm. we were getting killed on the bunts. And he was like, oh coach, you come behind the plate, huh? And he was <laughs> like, you can't stop my team. And I literally just me being me grabbed the back of his shirt um, and I was like, this is the only way to stop Cam Newton in kickball. Right? And so then, of course, his team fell in love with me because they're like, nobody else would do that. Like, that was hilarious. And he just it for it, right? Like, even more. And I'm yeah. like, he could easily pick me up and run the bases. It's not like, what am I going to do, right? Like, this man is an Adonis. And yeah. um, so after, after they won, he was like, yeah, coach, you with me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good. So I didn't get booted. He was like, yeah, your team's out, but you're with me. Um, and, you know, he just really is 
ultra competitive and yeah. he wants people to step up to that challenge. And mm -hmm. he has such a, an ability to be a leader um, mm -hmm. that I think there are going to be teams that have a real problem um, trying to stop that combination with him stepping into like that brilliant system. The only yep. thing that makes me uh, worried for the Patriots right now is all the people who have opt out, opted out because yeah. of COVID. But yeah. and, and, and man, that's to be expected. Was like you really are Bill Belichick, man. Like just yeah, absolute genius. I, I'm I've always been a big Cam that. guy too. Yeah. And I'm betting big on him this season. I already put in something for Cam to win MVP this year. The yeah. odds were awesome. And I love Cam. I think he's going to light it up in that system. Oh, um, I, just, I, I just, I, you know, underestimating Cam Newton. He, it's not mm, smart. <laughs> just, I mean, like, y'all just created a problem. Like you did. You created a problem for yourself. Yeah. I agree. And I like Cam. I also like, I, I know Kaylin well. Kaylin was with me when I was at Howard, which was so funny because when I was there and he was like, Coach Jen. And I was like, Kaylin, what? <laughs> what? What is going on? He's like, You didn't know I was here. And I was like, No, I did not. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I just ended up here because I didn't have a job. <laughs> right. But, um, but to wrap us up here today, I just want to kind of bring us full circle again. I know you have your newer book out, The uh, Wearing a Mask Says I Love You. Um, just want to hear a little bit about that process and, and how it's been going and, and sales and stuff like that. Yeah, let me, um, first, let me grab it so you can see sure. it. Oh my gosh, too long sitting. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't sit well, what is that? Um, so <laughs> um, and you see That's it awesome. right here, this is Sargent. Uh, I like that a lot. <laughs> right? He leads the ant army or the infantry um, in the battle uh, against COVID-19. And so this was really important to me to be able to help give kids tools to deal with what was going on in, in the world. And um, it really was a like a put your heads together um, what can we do to help with one of my really good friends, Brooke Foley, and we wanted, and it's called Critter Fitter because we use critters, right? Like this is why I said I'm from the South, um, but it was the <laughs> only way I could think of, of like moving, right? Like, so the first book was on fitness, like mm -hmm. physical yeah. fitness, and we decided it wasn't just physical, it could be emotional fitness too, um, and the tenants of play therapy, you know, fantasy is really powerful, right? Because we can talk about things and do things with like animals that would be harder to do with humans, right? Sure. And so we came up with this and it it's done in the tenants of like, like you'll see the illustrations are simple um, and they're done that way because any kid could draw like themselves into the ant army, right? Like, and you know, what would your aunt be? And that is a way that they can also process information. Um, but we went through all of the CDC guidelines um, in a way to make kids a proactive and positive influence on the world, 
right? Like, and that they could be, you know, they could join the ant army and be a part of defeating the invisible enemy, right? Like, let's give it a hero story. So yeah. you're, you're being part of the ant army by washing your hands, wings, and other bug things, right? Mm-hmm. Soap and viruses don't get along. Soap shows the virus it doesn't belong, right? So like, Ooh. why are we all doing right. this? You got, Snoop might have taught you something. <laughs> oh, no. They are all rhyme books. Like, they are all awesome. Um, and so my friends laugh because they're like, mm, you just rhymed again. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. I'm bad at adulting right now. Like, everything, <laughs> you know, um, and like, it, but it takes complex subjects mm-hmm. and breaks it down into a way that's approachable, right? Like, so let's say one of the things, obviously, that's very, um, that's been so devastating about COVID is asymptomatic transmission, for yeah. example right? Complex topic. Adults are still not getting it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and yet, (laughs) can we take that complex topic and make it approachable and understandable for kids? Absolutely. The virus hops from bug to bug very quick and bugs can pass it without even feeling sick, right? So you don't have to feel sick um, and it hops very easily. Bugs don't want to become carriers, so they wear masks as barriers. There you the go. There it is. It's that its own feet, so it can't just walk down the street. <laughs> just like mail can only be delivered by a snail. If no one passes it, then the virus will fail. Wow. Right. All of these things done to be able to give families, educators, coaches, uh, tools to be able to help move the kids through this. Right. Yeah while also normalizing the conversation and then giving, you know, parents, educators, whoever, um, an ability to call to action, right? And it was actually inspired by Governor Cuomo um, and his daily briefings, right? And, And it was, to me, it was like, you know, I just moved across the country in the middle of a global pandemic. I came out to LA to be more connected and interconnected with things. And I got here the day the world shut down. Oh so really, timing is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I never would have been sitting still long enough to create a book series either. So that there's that. Um, <laughs> but you know, really, so many of the things that we're talking about it were so unclear. And I started watching his press conferences because he was looking for information and doing his best to convey it in a way that was both, you know, it, it, it was informative, it was based in science and, and there was an element of love in there, right? Like a love for the city, a love for the people. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay, we can do this. Right. And there's, there's a line in here where, and, and I put it in a couple of the books because it was his, um, he was talking about ventilators one day and he presented an alternative, right? Which are like the manual ones. And so he has it up there and he's sitting there squeezing it. And he was like, this is the alternative to a ventilator. Now, while I can take this and train people right now to do this 24 hours a day, we can call in the National Guard to do this 24 hours a day. This is not a viable solution. To this, I say no. Back to the ventilators, right? <laughs> and I was like, to this, I say no. 
So it became kind of a, a like a thing in our in our little book world. I'd be like, to this I say no. <laughs> and it made it into the book. Let's see. Uh, I gotta say, your impressions all all day have been pretty killer. <laughs> they have been. They really have. Like I, you know, I love people and voices, and I love studying. You know, I like human puzzles, right? Mm. Like, and and that's what any of this is. Whether it's coaching players and getting to know them, or or you know, writing a kids book, it's all about human puzzles, and that's what I, you know, I hope I'm good at is is helping with human puzzles. Um, okay, so here is kind of a part of the story, and that the basically all the critters have gotten together to make masks for the entire ant army, um, and it says. The mask fluttered down from the sky by the twinkling light from the fireflies. As soon as the masks appeared, all of the bugs clapped and cheered. The ants were literally being showered by hugs, even when they couldn't touch any other bugs. Sergeant stopped all the ants. I tried to resist, but I can't. We ants are always on the go. But miss this, to this I say no, right? So, so Governor Cuomo, who then gets a mask on his head, uh, Sergeant, um, yeah. you know, he gets his moment. So uh, that's awesome. That's that, that is one of my goals is to actually get it to him. I have yet to figure that out, but I'm still working on yeah. it. And, um, and I hate to uh, try to out psychoanalyze you, but an ant, you being five two, part of a bigger team, I'm I I don't know I don't know I might read the real PhD over here trying to uh, come I at mean, the top. I'll take it, but wait, I'm telling you what, when you get into book four, oh, it, so this is book awesome. three, but right. the ant army is back and badder than ever in so book this four. Your, this is your and goblet of fire coming up. This is this look, stuff. look I, I just want you to know. Like there are a lot of ant words, like antibodies. I was gonna say, yeah, like, antibodies. Yep. Poor antine. Oh. Brilliant. It is brilliant. <laughs> brilliant, right? I really so you just watch the news every day, and any word you hear is just like immediately written down in ants and capitals. Wait, you're yes. gonna laugh. Please tell me. It's awesome. You're, you're gonna laugh, but like I do. <laughs> Let's go. That's so cool. That's great. Yeah. So and great. they're all in pencil because it's way cooler that way. <laughs> uh, but this was actually one of my note pages on one of them. And you'll see we have brilliant, disinfectant, and wow. distant. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. You're totally right, though. There's so many, and it's so timely. It's incredible. <laughs> right. But, like, disinfectant? Come yeah. On. Come on. And antibodies? Come on. I can't no. believe quarantine. I never would have thought about it. And it's been the word of the year. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So, when I say that the ant army is back and better than ever in book four, <laughs> I can't believe it. And that one, we are figuring out our launch strategy for it now, but it is written, illustrated, and ready to go another one might so be awesome impeachment <laughs> okay <laughs> hey i try i try i'm here all you know. look but we we do have um two, we have a set of ant twins in that book and they are um 
intelligent and important okay. um, and they're twins so that we because cool. one thing that was important to me in the books is to use the words in the right way mm -hmm. to um and teach um and so um you know the where the ant is and it's actually called the resilience um which didn't fit into my spelling right, right. so that is so that is part of the <laughs> That is part of the hero story, though, is how does it become the resilience? Right. Right. And, and we tell the story. Though the spelling was wrong, it was perfectly <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's great. Um, that's all we got for today. Yeah. We really appreciate all this. So time. much fun. Yes. My personal favorite interviews and what you've done with the books and everything. It's a scary world out there, and especially for kids who don't know what's really going on. No one does, and especially them. So. I think that's just incredible. You're an incredible mind and so inspirational and motivational. Uh, we're officially considering you a friend of the show and <laughs> in the future. Um, and I, I have a little shout out um, on my shirt today. Yeah. The Renegades, that is the Boston women's tackle football team up there. Awesome. Once upon a time, that was the mass mutiny. So Ooh. my first team and um, they've been playing a, a really cool uh, documentary on the Renegades. Um, finally was on ESPN and I think they just showed it on ABC. So I thought no better way to join my, my BC connects than to represent y'all's local women's tackle football team, the Boston Renegades. So make sure you check them out. Um, you know, awesome. they, they gave me my start and um, they always have a piece of my heart. We'll put it that way. Definitely. Maybe, maybe when the world and sports are back to normal, we can all catch a game if you're ever in Boston and we can. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe we'll catch a BC game and, um, and um, I will try not to tackle anybody. For sure. <laughs> hey, as long as rugby's not on the same deck, you know? Right. And, you know, I heard a rumor that they're no longer at the seminary, which means they, we must've. We have to find out about that for you now, because I hope yeah, it's still there. That, that because part. yeah i mean we really did have to play on the seminary so that we would get our <laughs> prayers yeah so no, apparently some of those are still with me i'm I'm banking on those prayers are still following me over across the country yeah. oh for sure no doubt but again thank you so much um, yeah seriously everything when it comes out that's all we got for today guys thank you for listening and uh we'll talk soon all right yeah. bye guys bye Tell me